So we'll be talking about John 13 today. And John uh, 13, that chapter, is the beginning of something known as the Book of Glory in John's Gospel. Ultimately, this Book of Glory will culminate with Jesus' exaltation on the cross. It's clear from the opening verses of this chapter that Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. And Jesus knows that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. This knowledge is the frame for the main verbs. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Indeed, Jesus knows that the devil already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. Jesus' knowledge, his knowledge of his impending death and reunification with the Father, his knowledge of Peter, his knowledge of Judas, this knowledge does not hinder Jesus' love. We all know the story of the foot washing. Jesus taking up the towel and the basin, Peter's resistance, which we could translate from the Greek as, not in all of eternity will you wash my feet. <laughs> or, more colloquially, not in a million years, Lord. Jesus' declaration, by the way, your translation won't say it quite so forcefully, but it should. Um, Jesus' declaration if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Peter's sincere, wash my head, wash my hands, wash, my, wash me. Followed by Jesus' reply, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And at the end of the foot-washing scene, the narrator reminds us that Jesus knew who was going to betray him. We all know this story. So, let us listen to the teaching that Jesus gives to his disciples about that story. In John 13, verses 12 through 20, it says, after he had washed their feet, put on his robe, and returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? It's the teacher with the test. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but it is to fulfill the scripture. The one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly, I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me 
receives him who sent me. Jesus begins his after foot washing teaching with a quiz. Do you know what I have done for you? But he doesn't wait for the students to fill out their exam question. He leaps immediately into instruction. In his relationship with the disciples, they call him teacher and Lord, titles that show his relationship as one they look up to and respect, titles that Jesus owns as rightly describing his identity. To this group, Jesus has given a gift. The gift he has given them is the gift of his example. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. In other words, if you rightly call me teacher and master and you see me stooping down to wash feet like a slave, you should not presume that you are any greater than I am and therefore in some way exempt from these acts of service, hospitality, and humility. Jesus tells his disciples that they will be blessed if they put into action the things that they know. It's never enough to know. We spend a lot of time here at the seminary learning stuff, right? knowing. But the challenge is to move from knowledge into action. And the true knowledge that comes from Jesus prompts action. The disciples are invited to participate in the same humble love that Jesus has displayed to them by washing their feet. They are invited to demonstrate love to each other without regard for their status or their honor. No disciple has a reason to say, I'm the master, so I can't wash your feet. Or I'm the teacher, so I can't wash your feet. No, they're all followers of the master, the teacher. And he has just shown them what it means to set aside honor and status and do the work of a slave. When they wash each other's feet, whether literally or figuratively, they are entering into the same kind of life of loving service that Jesus has demonstrated for them and to which he now calls them. Now in the midst of this teaching, the foreshadowing of Jesus' betrayal appears again in the text. It was there in the beginning in John 13, 1 through 4, and it appears again right here in the middle of this chapter. Jesus says, I'm not speaking about all of you. I know whom I have chosen. And Jesus quotes a portion of Psalm 41, 9 to describe his betrayer. Now that whole verse reads, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. When Jesus quotes this verse, right, I always say this when I'm preaching, you have to get at least one Greek lesson from the New Testament professor when you get me preaching. Um, when he quotes that verse, he changes one word from the Septuagint. In the Septuagint, the one who eats is haestheon, but in John 13, Jesus uses the word hotrogon, which means to eat with munching and gnawing. Now, <laughs> here's where it gets even more interesting, right? You remember when we do New Testament study, we always want to read in context. 
And in John chapter 6, when Jesus was feeding the people, he ends that teaching by saying, um, by referring to those who eat his flesh and drink his blood. And that's where he uses this same word, hatragon, to eat, to ingest in a kind of way. So one of the things that's interesting is that when betrayal is close at hand, Jesus not only loves the betrayer, but he shares a meal with him, one that may be representative of the meal we eat when we partake of the body and blood of Jesus. And later in this chapter, when Jesus dips the bread and hands it to Judas, we should not understand this as simply a shared morsel at dinner, as simply a sign of Judas's betrayal, but as Jesus's offering of himself to Judas. Here, where Jesus washes feet out of humble love, Judas lifts his heel against his master. Here, the very heel that Jesus had washed was raised against him in contempt. Jesus knows that he has lived and that he will live a life of love to the very end. This one, and indeed, lest you think it's only Judas, most of the others in the room also will betray him or deny him or desert him just a few hours down the road. Yet Jesus will love all of them to the very end. No matter what that end is. Listen to John 13, 21 to 30. After saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, Very truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he was speaking. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter therefore mentioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So while reclining next to Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It's the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the, bre- in the dish. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. After he received the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, Do quickly what you are going to do. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the common purse, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Raymond Brown, in his magisterial commentary on John, writes of this scene. Jesus may be extending to Judas a special act of esteem, whereby a host singles out a guest whom he wishes to honor and picks out for him from the common plate a choice morsel of food. But this sign of Jesus' affection, like the act of love that brought him into the world, brings Judas to the decisive moment of judgment. His acceptance of the morsel without changing his wicked plan to betray Jesus, means that he has chosen for Satan 
rather than for Jesus. In the offering of the morsel of food, Jesus one more time extends his love to Judas, to the one he knows will betray him. Jesus offers to Judas his very self, his teaching, his discipleship, his hospitality and welcome are on offer in the extension of this small bit of food to, Jesus, to Judas. Jesus offers his very self. And the reality is that Jesus' disciples resist or reject Jesus' offering of himself. Jesus takes up the work of a servant, and Peter says, never in a million years, Lord. Jesus offers Judas a sign of hospitality and honor, and Judas gets up and goes away into the night filled with the schemes of the evil one. We could linger here, thinking on all the ways that Jesus' disciples have resisted Jesus' very offering of himself. Not just in this story, but over the centuries and even in our very own lives. But this is not the place where Jesus stops. He does not dwell on or linger too long over his disciples' resistance and betrayal and denial. Instead, it's at the end of this discourse in John 13, where Jesus has demonstrated his love by example in the washing of feet and the offering of bread, that Jesus gives his disciples a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus does not despair of his disciples. Instead, he instructs them to take up the kind of radical servanthood that he has demonstrated his whole life. From the moment he came down from heaven until the moment he got down on his knees and washed their feet, he has been a servant. The washing of his disciples' feet was not just a nice illustration or a good analogy for a moment of teaching. No, it shows who he really is. He is the Lord and Master who came to serve and not be served. Jesus does not despair of his flawed disciples. Instead, he instructs them to take up the kind of radical hospitality and welcome that he has demonstrated over and over again. From the encounter in John 4 with the Samaritan woman at the well until the moment that Judas goes out into the night. And so Jesus invites his disciples, all of us, to take up his example, laying aside our roles and our positions and kneeling down in front of our fellow brothers and sisters, fellow disciples, and taking up the towel and the basin in a demonstration of the love that disciples are to have 
for one another. My brothers and sisters, let us love one another even as Jesus loved us. He offered us his very self and invites us to love as he loved by offering our very selves to others. In a few moments, those of us who wish to are going to participate in the act of foot washing. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he indicated that he had given them an example and that they should take up that example by washing each other's feet. Additionally, he indicated that doing these things would be a blessing. Now, my suspicion is that a lot of us have heard this portion of scripture preached or taught as an instruction about the daily service of others among us. And so it is, and so it can be. At the same time, I think Christ actually does invite us to wash one another's feet, our physical feet, with physical water, and that he invites us to be blessed in doing this. And my invitation to you is to come to the foot washing stations expecting to receive the blessing of God that Jesus promised, to receive that blessing through the hands of Jesus' disciples here among us. As you allow the water to be poured over your feet, allow yourself to receive the blessing of being cared for by members of Jesus' community. As you take up the towel to dry the feet of a fellow brother or sister, allow yourself to receive the blessing of serving others in our community as the hands of Jesus. As we come first to the altar and then to the time of foot washing, will you come with your hearts open and with an expectation that the Spirit is among us and wishes to move among us with blessing. As Jessica comes to lead us in the Eucharistic liturgy and instruct us on the practice of foot washing, I invite you to pray with me. Father God, your Son, Jesus Christ, gave us the example of foot washing. As we respond to the invitation to follow your Son's example, May you take this water, this time, this practice, and make it a source of blessing for your people, that we may be further drawn into the life of service and hospitality that your Son, Jesus Christ, lived for us each and every day. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.